It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately. He's got the handoff. You know who that's? From the playlikeajet.com digital studio This is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1 And it is time to review day number three The final day of the 2022 NFL Draft And so for that we bring in our friend who does all the film Over on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant Luke, what's up brother? I'm doing pretty well Scott Look, I slept through the draft today Between (laughs) 1am and kind of 4am our time So I I woke up to to the picks um, kind of as expected. It's hard to get too excited about the, the the day three guys, but all in all, great draft. I think they finished it well, and there's plenty to be happy about and excited looking forward. My theory on these picks is the same theory that I had last year with the picks after the fourth round, and that is whatever they do after the first bunch of picks is sort of a bonus. You hope that these guys stick on the roster or make some sort of meaningful contribution, but they did so well the first two days, especially those first four picks, That it would be hard to get upset with anything they did on day number three. And I actually mostly liked what they did. At pick number 111, they grabbed Max Mitchell, the tackle from Louisiana. We know they needed some depth on the offensive line. And so they go ahead and get Mitchell, who they got to look at up close at the Senior Bowl. He's a guy that has a lot of potential. Some pretty solid tape. Needs to put on some weight. Still a little light for a guy who's going to play offensive tackle in the NFL. But we knew they needed an insurance policy for Mekhi Becton and George Fant, who are both coming off of injuries. And so Mitchell will go in there and compete to be the swing tackle, the backup behind both of those guys. I think it's pretty good value here in the fourth round. They clearly think they can develop Mitchell into a useful piece. And as we said, he's got talent. He's just got to put on some weight, get a little stronger. But for pick number 111, it's pretty solid. Yeah, I think the Jets were tipping their hand with what they're kind of looking for and what they covered in offensive linemen. My friend David said it to me earlier today. Another converted tight end. It's a third guy they've acquired in this Joe Douglas era who's been a converted tight end to the tackle position. I think he's six foot six, uh, 307 pounds. As you said, he needs to put on some weight. But you can't be disappointed when they get the number one graded tackle in the whole of college football in 2021, according to PFF. He graded out as a 94. He was a 95 run grade. He's got pretty good play strength for a lighter guy. I think when you add the size, he'll be even more explosive. I thought he had good punch in his hands. I loved the way he traveled, Scott. I watched Louisiana versus uh, your Texas Longhorns, and I thought he was really impressive. That was his biggest game of the year against the best competition he faced, and I thought he was fantastic. He allowed a sack on literally the last play of the game, but outside of that, he was smooth out of pass pro from right tackle. In the second half, he swapped across to left tackle, showed some versatility there. 
Uh, he, he covers ground extremely well. Um, I thought he was patient with his hands. Occasionally, he'd shoot a long arm, almost a fake, like the tight end, sorry, like the edge rusher sometimes kind of ghost, and then we'll rip around the corner. He threw fake hands to throw off the timing. I just think there's a lot to like about this player. Um, I was a lot pretty heavily into Zach Tom, uh, the guy out of Wake Forest. I wanted them to draft him, but the early signs of looking at Mitchell were impressive. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say I think it's a steal of the draft and I know everything about Max Mitchell. But watching a couple of games of all 22, I think he's going to be a serviceable backup from day one. I think he's going to be better than Chumro Doga pretty close to immediately. He's got long enough arms, and I think he fits what the Jets want to do. He's good in space in the run game. The one negative I'll say is balance. I said to someone earlier today, a couple of times he'll be engaged in pass pro. Some will rip to the inside and he'll end up kind of stumbling away. And it doesn't affect the play, but it's just something you kind of take note of. Then in the run game, a couple of times, just a little bit out in front of his pads, just working on that balance a little bit, maintaining feet through contact. If he can get that right, I think he's got a shot at sticking on this roster for sure. And I think he could probably be the number three tackle for the Jets as, as soon as 2022. Luke, not a very high bar to be better than Chuma Adoga, so hopefully he can manage to pull that off. Michael Clemens, the other pick here at number 117, that was the Chris Herndon pick. Clemens, a defensive end out of Texas A&M. I've been making jokes all day, calling him Clarence Clemens, the late saxophone player for Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band, also calling him Roger Clemens. It's obvious those are the two names that you would come up with if you're dealing with a guy named Clemens. But the interesting thing here about Clemens is he's got some off-the-field baggage. He's had some injuries too, but he's got some explosion in his game. When you watch Texas A&M, you mostly were paying attention to Isaiah Spiller, Charles Cross, and even DeMarvin Leal. Not so much Clemens, but Clemens was a talented player. He's older though, 25 years old, so in some ways this is a Mike McCagnin special but for a guy you get at 117, if he can give them anything in the rotation there, we know that Salah likes to move guys around, might not be a terrible pick. I agree, and I think what the strengths of Clemens' games are, or game is, rather, really kind of rounds out the group. I think there's a lot of guys that can rip and bend on the New York Jets. Carl Lawson, uh, you've got Bryce Huff, who I thought was actually really impressive as a situational pass rusher the first half of the year before he got injured, I think, in the Tennessee game he went down. Um, but Clemens is a bit different to that. He's going to be an explosive five tech who has powerful hands, has extremely long arms. Like we're talking, I think, uh, 35 and 7 eighths inch arms. So they are long ass arms, Scott. And he utilizes them well. He can bench press guys. He's powerful in the run game. He's able to kind of throw you off with your timing as a tackle, force you back, and then try and kind of work his way inside. As I kind of mentioned, he's not the bendy guy. I looked at what Lance Zerline said about him on NFL.com before I went into watching his tape. The first game I watched was against Alabama. And he said he's kind of got short strides, though, and that impacts his ability to get around the corner. And he's right. As soon as I couldn't stop thinking it, he's not the guy who's going to be explosive Von Miller around the corner. He kind of loses ground because he isn't quite, you know, making those explosive strides. He is a short strider. But overall, he's more depth. He's a guy who can come in and be that hammer off the edge and pound in the run game, be physical, be aggressive. Um, his favorite pass rush move is the cross chop. Um, so that's kind of when you skip to the outside, swipe down with the hands and then try and turn the corner. That's how he's going to want to win. He wants to win quickly so he doesn't have to bend through contacts. That's not the strength of his game. So overall, I was happy with the pick. Again, not a guy I watched a ton of tape on pre-draft, uh, but what I've watched so far has been okay. It's been tough because I watched the 2021 and 2020 Alabama games. Always want to watch them against the best, as I said, uh, with Max as well. So 
uh, look, I think it's another solid pick and it's a solid pick unlike 2020 where we looked at those mid-round picks and went, what is he doing with Zaniga and with James Morgan and with LaMichael Piran? It wasn't that. And then when you contribute, oh, sorry, when you also consider what he did on day one and two, it's hard to dislike day three. You've got to kind of trust Joe Douglas. I know we're both not, you've got to trust Joe D guys, but I think he's earning the trust of this organization of the fan base. And it was a really good draft class. And I thought Clemens was a nice way to round it up. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. According to Salah and Douglas, Clemens and Mitchell were both picked largely for their toughness. Max Mitchell said versatility is one of his strengths and he is willing to play wherever he is asked to play. Douglas said he feels the Jets are a better team after this weekend. I think most people agree. Salah, to your point before, Luke, about John Franklin Myers, said that adding help on the edge should allow them to move John Franklin Myers back inside on passing situations where he has a higher win rate. We've talked about that a lot, Luke. Franklin Myers was playing away from his best position this past year, playing on the edge where he's far less effective. Salah confirming that there's going to be less of that this year. Of course, we know the comment about Makai Becton. Noted that he wasn't there, that they're keeping tabs on him, that they know he's working his tail off, but then also said, you want all your guys here, looked into the camera and said, we'd love to have you back here, buddy. We'll take care of you. So make of that comment what you will. And that's more or less what we got out of Joe Douglas and Robert Sala today in the presser after day three to conclude the final day of the draft. And also a little bit of a comment there from Max Mitchell. Anything that you take out of that, Luke? Look, I thought it was a pretty standard press conference. Uh, Joe kind of backed up what he said yesterday. He picked quickly. He got his guys. The Jets have a lot of guys under contract, so they just wanted impact rather than volume in this draft class, and I think they got it. Um, I thought, you know, look, the Mackay Becton stuff, I think you and I are kind of on the same page, Scott. A lot of people disagree with this, as you can see online, but this staff has had some issues with handling Mackay Becton, we'll say, since the Green Bay Week 2 of the preseason. I thought Mike... Um, yeah, Mike LaFleur's comments were poor then. I think there's definitely information being leaked to the beat. There's controlling narratives and trying to send messages to players. And I think they need to improve it. And you know what? Fans will buy into the fact that, yes, um, Mackay Becton has been treated unfairly by the beat, but they never question where that's coming from or the motives behind that. So I think that's just something to note. I don't want to get into, you know, warfare with Jets Twitter, but that's kind of what I took away from that comment regarding Becton. This is a little off the topic, Scott, but I just thought it was a fantastic call with Max Mitchell that, that showed on the Jets Twitter and Jets YouTube um, page. He had the area scout call him up. Mm-hmm. The excitement for Max Mitchell, but also the area scout, I just couldn't imagine how exciting it would be working a tail off to evaluate these guys year after year. They listen to you in that in that draft room. You're pounding the table for a guy. Not only do they select him, but they let you make the call and share that moment with him. I generally thought that was incredible. It was my favorite moment of the draft. Um, that was that was really cool, and I enjoyed that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It was Chris Nolan, the area scout, who called Max Mitchell and said, "Hey, I don't know if you remember me, but we talked. I came to see you for the Jets." And I'm just calling you to let you know that we're going to be picking you. I've never done this before. So both of them shared that moment together, and they'll always have that moment, especially if Max Mitchell has a productive NFL career. That's a big moment for Nolan and Mitchell, and they'll never forget it, either one of them. I said this on Twitter, but these area scouts are the unsung heroes of this process. 
because they're the ones that are providing so much valuable information and input on these players. And if they work out, a lot of the credit should go to guys like Chris Nolan. So kudos to him. And like you said, I thought that was a fantastic video. If you haven't seen it yet, the Jets have the video up on their website and on their Twitter. I highly recommend checking it out. Let's quickly go through the rest of day number three, Luke. I'm not going to go through every single pick. So I'll just note the guys that most of us know and some notable selections here. Starting the day, Kate Otten, the tight end out of Washington, went to the Tampa Bay Bucks. One of the better tight ends in the draft. Pretty good value there. Damian Pierce, the running back from Florida. He made some noise at the Senior Bowl. Big dude. Talked that maybe the Jets would have been interested. Everybody knows the Texans wanted Brees Hall at number 37. The Jets jumped them up to 36 to get him. So instead, they get Damian Pierce here at number 107. Perry and Winfrey, who won MVP of the Senior Bowl, the defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. He went at 108 to the Cleveland Browns. Thought he would have been an interesting pick for the Jets, but he went a couple picks ahead of them. Kobe Bryant, who is Sauce Gardner's running mate at cornerback at Cincinnati. One of the better cornerbacks in the country. He comes off the board. Solid value there in the fourth round at 109 for the Seahawks. And the Seahawks really need a cornerback. They're also well known for being able to develop guys that they get in the mid-rounds. So that could be a good spot for him. Daniel Falele, your countryman. We've talked about him and joked about it from Australia. The monstrous offensive tackle who went to Minnesota goes to the Ravens at 110. We talked about Max Mitchell to the Jets at 111. Daniel Bellinger, the tight end out of San Diego State, goes to the Giants at 112. Damari Mathis, the corner out of Pittsburgh, goes to the Denver Broncos at 115. We talked about Michael Clemens, Jalen Armour Davis, the corner out of Alabama, goes to the Baltimore Ravens at 119. Brandon Smith, a player I liked. I know the Jets had done some work on him. The linebacker out of Penn State goes at 120 to the Panthers. Great athleticism, very raw player. I think the Jets could have used him and coached him up. They need help at linebacker, but they went in a different direction, and the Panthers end up getting Smith instead. Zamir White, who you may remember from the national championship game, the running back out of Georgia, big dude, is another guy that could have been a possibility for the Jets here in the mid-rounds if they hadn't picked Brees Hall in round two. He goes to the Raiders at 122. Isaiah Spiller, one of my favorite players in the draft, big bruising running back out of Texas A&M. He goes to the Chargers at 123. I think he's going to be awesome there. I think medicals probably drove him down the board. Otherwise, he might have been a second or third round pick. Cade York, the kicker out of LSU, goes to the Browns at 124. Not going to lie, kind of jealous there. I'm not going to get all upset that the Jets didn't pick a kicker, but one of these days I would like to see them do it because I really want the Jets to finally solve that kicking problem that's been an issue for them since Nick Falk. Pierre Strong, the running back from South Dakota State, a player that the Jets had significant interest in. Nick Spano, co-founder at U Stadium, said that he had heard that the Jets were considering him. Again, I'm sure he'd have been in the mix here in the fourth round if the Jets hadn't gotten Brees Hall in round two, but he goes to the Patriots at number 127. Charlie Kohler, the tight end out of Iowa State, who at one point was thought to be a high draft pick last year. This year, his stock tanked a little bit. Didn't do especially well at the Senior Bowl. He ends up going 128 to the Ravens. I think that's good value. He'll be a nice compliment to Mark Andrews. Jake Ferguson, who did well at the Senior Bowl, the tight end out of Wisconsin, he goes to the Cowboys at 129, so he'll be a second tight end there with Dalton Schultz. Jordan Stout, the punter from Penn State, goes to the Ravens at 130. Surprising that he was the first punter off the board. Hassan Haskins, the running back out of Michigan, goes at 131 to the Titans. Romeo Dubs, a wide receiver out of Nevada, nine-round specialist, a 
lot of comparisons to Robbie Anderson. He goes to the Packers at 132, so the Packers double dip at wide receiver. Jay Camarda, the punter out of Georgia, goes at 133 to the Tampa Bay Bucks. So the punt god does not come off the board first in the punting group. Bailey Zappa, the quarterback out of Western Kentucky, goes to the Patriots at 137. So they get themselves a potential long-term backup for Mac Jones in that spot. Calvin Austin, the wide receiver out of Memphis, who I think is somewhat similar to a young Jamison Crowder. He's going to be a good slot. He goes to the Steelers at 138, so he joins George Pickens. They're loading up there at receiver. Isaiah Likely, really strong athletic tight end out of Coastal Carolina, goes to the Ravens at 139. So they get a couple of tight ends here in the fourth round. Interesting strategy there. Zach Tom, the offensive lineman out of Wake Forest. You talked about him yesterday, Luke. He goes to the Packers at 140. So any thoughts here? positively or negatively about any of these picks that went down here in the fourth round? I think the Chargers got fantastic value with Isaiah Spiller. We we both kind of fell in love with him through the process. Would have been a good fit for the Jets. Kind of that thunder, but also still has great athleticism. Um, that team just keeps adding weapons for Justin Herbert. Um, you've got Austin Eckler there in the running game. You've got, uh, you know, so many great options at wide receiver, starting with Williams, with Allen, all of those guys. So another great complimentary piece. And I think Green Bay, they have always been the team that develops mid-round offensive linemen the best. And they've done it time after time. Guys like Brian Balaga, the center they had a couple of years ago, um, Lindley, who they drafted in the mid-rounds, they're fantastic at doing it. What are they doing this draft? Third round, they get Ryan, the kid out of UCLA, who he liked. And then today, they backed it up again and they went and got Zach Tom. They are the kings at using multiple picks on valuable positions training them up and trusting their coaching. So I thought that was fantastic. And then the last kind of notable pick for me, Scott, I had to laugh um, at the Baltimore Ravens taking Daniel Farlele because you look at who they took on day one, the smallest center in the draft, a dynamic athlete in uh, Tyler Linderbaum, who is barely 300 pounds, and they back it up with a 370-pound mauler on the outside at tackle. I just thought it was such a stark contrast. It really made me laugh. But again, a guy who I think could be a player in this league, and I thought it was another good pick for Baltimore. Fifth round began with Sam Howell, the quarterback out of North Carolina, going to the Washington Commanders at 144. I like this pick because Howell has some talent at the top of the fifth round. Why not? Good dart throw. It's funny because before the season, Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler were considered QB1 and QB2. A lot of people thought they might be the top two picks in the draft. Rattler ends up getting benched and then transfers to South Carolina, and now Hal goes in the fifth round. So you just never know how these things are going to turn out. Darian Kennard, the guard out of Kentucky, this is great value here at 145 for the Kansas City Chiefs. Reminds me a lot of how they got Trey Smith last year in the sixth round. Kennard has starter potential. Khalil Shakir, the wide receiver out of Boise State, he goes to the Bills at 148. Cole Turner, tight end out of Nevada, good athlete at 149, goes to the Commanders. Tyler Algier, Zach Wilson's old friend, the running back out of BYU, goes to the Falcons at number 151. Think his slow 40 time really hurt him in the process. At one point, there was a thought he might be a potential third-round pick. Tariq Woolen, the cornerback out of Texas San Antonio, goes to the Seahawks at 153. Again, the Seahawks will take guys with these traits in the defensive backfield, try to develop them. They did it with Richard Sherman, who is a converted wide receiver at Stanford. 
Woolen's a guy that has incredible measurables and athleticism, so if they can coach him up, he has a chance to be a really good player in the NFL. Matt Willetsko, the offensive tackle from North Dakota, goes to the Cowboys at 155. Jerome Ford, running back out of Cincinnati, to the Browns at 156. Really good player. I think he has a chance to give them excellent depth at a position where they're already really strong with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Tyreek Smith, the edge rusher out of Ohio State, goes to the Seahawks at number 158. Kyle Phillips, the wide receiver out of UCLA, pretty solid player, goes to the Titans at 163. Kyron Williams, the running back at Notre Dame, to the Rams at 164, so they add another piece there in the backfield. Damone Clark, linebacker out of LSU, goes to the Cowboys at 176. Really good value here at one point. There was talk he could even be a second-round pick. I think bad medicals dropped him down a bit. James Mitchell, tight end out of Virginia Tech, goes to the Lions at 177. And the last notable pick here in this round, and this one's for our girl Kayla Pace, South Carolina alum, Kingsley Engelberry, the edge rusher out of South Carolina, last pick in the fifth round here at 179 to the Packers. Again, good value. There was talk that Engelberry could be a second or third round pick at one point. Productive player at South Carolina. And as you said, the Packers will take guys like that and rely on their coaching staff to coach them up. So Luke, any thoughts here on the selections in the fifth round? Well, I want to know why Engelberry fell so far because he was a guy who, as you said, he was touted pretty highly. He was a top 50 on most consensus boards, a lot of the big draft analysts. So that was an interesting one to fall right to the end of the fifth round. I thought Smith was a nice pick for the Seahawks. I'm not often complimentary about their drafts. Um, thought it was a mixed bag this year. They had some really good taking cross early on from Mississippi State. Um, their second pick, uh, I think it was Boye Marfe. I liked that one too. And then they go and draft a running back at 41. So it's always a bit of a mixed bag, but I like Smith there uh, from uh, Ohio State. I think he's a player potentially in this league. I like the Titans getting a nice slot in that offense. Um, you get Phillips. He also provides special teams value, potential punt kick returner. So I thought that was a savvy move when you're looking for weapons to support Ryan Tannehill, possibly Malik Willis going forward. So I was impressed with that. Uh, and then I don't know about everyone else, but Kansas City, I thought they might have had the best draft outside of the Jets and the Ravens anyway. Definitely top three, top five. They got great value on day one, Carl Loftus and McDuffie. They did a fantastic job getting Leo Chanel late on day two. And then in the fifth round, they go and get another player, another interior lineman who I think can be really successful. They just, they had a fantastic draft. They kept knocking it out of the park. And I just thought Kansas City was fantastic. So they were the picks I liked the most in the fifth round. And yeah, I thought uh, it was kind of nice. The Jets were done, didn't have to worry about it. Just enjoy looking at where these other players fell. Round six began with the punt god, Matt Areza. The punter out of San Diego State, he goes to the Bills at 180. Darian Beavers, the linebacker out of Cincinnati, you and I talked about him, thought he would have been an interesting target for the Jets. Has potential to maybe develop into a starter, so good value here at 182 for the Giants. Amari Barrow, the edge rusher out of Virginia Tech, goes to the Panthers at 189. Andrew Ogletree, the tight end out of Youngstown State, goes to the Colts at 192. Notable because he's a local kid, grew up an hour from where the Colts play, so he's really excited to go there. Jamari Sellier, who played tackle at Georgia. You may have noticed him in the championship game where he played pretty well. Most likely a guard in the NFL. He goes to the Chargers at 195. Tyler Batty, the running back from Missouri, made some waves at the Senior Bowl. Smaller but dynamic guy. Sort of profiles similarly to Michael Carter. He goes at number 196 to the Baltimore Ravens. Grant Calcaterra, good athlete but not a ton of production. Tight end out of SMU, going to the Eagles at 198. So 
They add him to a room that has Dallas Goddard. Cade Mays, the guard out of Tennessee, goes to the Panthers at number 199. Chasen Hines, the center out of LSU, goes to the Patriots at pick number 210. Quentin Lake, the safety out of UCLA, he gets to stay home. Good value pick here for the Rams at number 211. And speaking of good value, this might turn out to be one of the steals of the draft potentially. Darian Kendrick, the cornerback out of Georgia, goes at number 212 to the Los Angeles Rams. One of the most talented cornerbacks in this draft, but he had a ton of off-the-field issues, got kicked out of Clemson. From a talent standpoint, he stacks up with just about any of the cornerbacks in this draft. But as I said, off-the-field issues dropped him, but this is a perfect pick for the Los Angeles Rams because they need to make the most out of their mid- and late-round picks because, as we know, they trade all their early picks. And a guy like Kendrick is the type where if you can keep him in line, he can become a really good corner and give you fantastic value for four years on a cheap rookie deal. So I love that pick for the Rams. And the last notable pick in the sixth round, Tariq Castro-Fields, the corner out of Penn State, goes to the 49ers at number 221. Castro Fields is a player that at one point was getting some first and second round buzz, but as the season wore on, he got exposed, and I'm not so sure that he has much of a future in the NFL, but it is remarkable, again, how guys' stock can go up and down so wildly. So, Luke, any thoughts here on the picks in the sixth round? Yeah, I thought Kendrick, the kid out of Georgia, was just a great dart throw for the Los Angeles Rams. You talked about their position and why they can take those shots. Sean McVay's got control of the locker room. They've dealt with guys like Marcus Peters, even Jalen Ramsey can be a bit of a handful in the, in the defensive secondary. So they just understand. Les Snead is a very uh, astute general manager, and I thought it was a fantastic pick. I love Beavers. You know what? When we were talking about him yesterday, I went home and thought he might not be the best thought. Uh, sorry, the best uh, pick for the Jets or the best fit. I think he'd be great in a scheme like the Patriots or like the Ravens, who play these odd fronts. They get their bigger body linebackers. They put them on you know, the outside, and they let them rush the passer, and they'll bring them in the A-gap. They'll play some zone little coverages to the middle while they play man on the outside. Where does he go? He goes to the New York Giants. Who's the DC of the Giants? Wink Martindale, the guy who was controlling Baltimore's defense for the last 10 years. So I thought that was an outstanding fit and a very, very good selection. And the last one, I thought it was about the punt god. I, I wondered... Are you happy because you're on a great team? I mean, obviously, look, Buffalo's a fantastic squad. They're going to win games, um, and you've got to be happy about that. You've been drafted in the fifth or so the sixth round as a, as a punter, but also it's a tough place to play football if you're on special teams. That last game of the season where the Jets played the Bills um, in Orchid Park, I, you could saw like 25-yard punts. So you've got to be a little bit disappointed that you've ended up in an outside cold venue if you're trying to show off and get that kind of second contract for a punt and all that's such a big deal. But I thought that was an interesting one too and a pretty nice pick from uh, from Buffalo. In round seven, pick number 223, the Browns got Isaiah Thomas, the edge rusher out of Oklahoma. Bo Melton, the local product out of Rutgers, who did really well at the Combine, really fast wide receiver, goes to the Seahawks at 229. So he adds more depth to a receiving core that's really strong with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Rashid Walker, the offensive tackle out of Penn State, another guy who had first or second round buzz before the season, Goes at number 249 to the Green Bay Packers. And speaking of Penn State, linebacker Jesse Lucetta goes to the Cardinals at pick number 256. Last but not least, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, the quarterback out of Iowa State, 
who knows our friend Brees Hall very well, played with him for a couple of years there under Matt Campbell. He's the final pick in the seventh round to the 49ers at number 262. So, Luke, any thoughts here on the seventh round selections? Uh, not really. I mean, look, I think last year Mr. Relevant was a quarterback too, and it was someone that I thought wasn't going to be drafted. I really didn't think Purdy had a chance of being drafted. I mean, I think he was the reason that Iowa State never reached their potential under Matt Campbell the last few years while you've got outstanding athletes and players like Hall and some of the offensive talent that the Cyclones have brought out the last few years. So I think it's funny that you reach for someone like him. He's a high character guy. He's an athlete. But realistically, I don't think he's ever got a chance of being in anything. I think I would have taken that dart throw anywhere else. But look, he'll always be remembered as Mr. Irrelevant in this class. And uh, I guess that's uh, that's something to take away. And he's been drafted. No one can ever, ever take that away from him. So hats off to him. Luke, last order of business. Let's talk about the undrafted free agents that the Jets grabbed. Luke, I'm not going to lie. The only one that I've heard of, and I'll read off the list of the other names after this, is Bam Knight, the running back out of NC State. His real name is Zonovan, but Bam is his nickname. It's kind of confusing because you hear the name Bam and you think he's this big bruising back, but he's not. 5'10", 200 pounds, so he's built more like Michael Carter, a smaller back. Fast, explosive, excellent kick returner, and a player who can hit the hole and really make a big play. And that's what he did at NC State for three years. Ran behind Ike McQuanu. That certainly helps. I think he's a player that has a chance to stick or at the very least stay on the practice squad. I watch quite a bit of him because I looked at a lot of these running backs. Luke, you know that I've been pounding the table for them getting a running back to go with Michael Carter. I like Knight. He wouldn't have been my first choice in the draft simply because they needed a bigger back like the one that they got, Brees Hall, or the guy that we talked about, Isaiah Spiller, and Bam Knight's a smaller guy, more like Michael Carter. But to get him as an undrafted free agent, I love this. I think he's a quality player, and he could find a home here. As I said, he's got a real shot to stick on the active roster or at the very least be on the practice squad. So I'll read off the rest of these names, but first I wanted to get your reaction to Bam Knight. I think he's a nice scat back who can play on third down. You can do some things with him in the passing game. He's got fairly good vision. Um, Like you, I didn't know a whole lot about much of the guys, uh, but thought it was a nice selection. I think it speaks volumes uh, about how the Jets feel (laughs) regarding guys like um, Ty Johnson and their inability to catch the football out of the backfield and, and have success on third down. The fact that Ty Johnson was on the field so consistently on money downs was disappointing last year. I know Michael Carter was beat up, but I think they just don't want that to happen again. And bringing in Bam Knight was a fairly savvy move, in my opinion. I'm going to run down the rest of the names on this list. As I said, I don't know any of these guys, so I'm just going to read them off. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about them. Irvin Charles, wide receiver out of Indiana. DQ Thomas, linebacker out of Middle Tennessee State. Savion Williams, defensive tackle out of Florida A&M. Alan George, cornerback out of Vanderbilt. C.J. Brewer, defensive tackle out of Coastal Carolina. Keyshawn Abram, wide receiver out of Kent State. DeAndre Tony, running back out of North Texas. Tony Adams, safety out of Illinois. DJ Ford, safety out of East Carolina. And Ron Hunt, wide receiver out of North Carolina A&T. So your guess is as good as mine on those. We'll see if any of those guys stick on the active roster or the practice squad. I do want to say before we run, Luke, Justin Ross is a sad case. Wide receiver out of Clemson. This is a player who a couple of years ago was one of the best receivers in college football. Very well could have been a first-round pick, and then the injuries happened to him, 
and the bad medicals made him slide all the way out of the draft. As of this recording, he still hasn't been signed by anybody. I'd love to see the Jets take a shot at him because as an undrafted free agent, you really have nothing to lose. Why not bring him in here and see if, as you like to say, he could potentially be your Corey Davis replacement in 2023 but it's just terrible and it's a reminder that things can change in an instant we talked before about Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell going from the potential number one and number two overall picks in this draft to Rattler having a transfer to another school after being benched and Howell being the first pick in the fifth round but here's Justin Ross a guy who was talked about as being one of the best receivers in college football and a surefire first round pick not even getting drafted because of bad luck with injuries it's why I'll never say a bad thing about these athlete endorsements or these NIT deals or payers getting played to pay in college because they're doing hell of a great job there and they're bringing in plenty of revenue for these colleges and for all the major networks. And as you said, their lives can change like that and they can have an opportunity taken away from them to earn millions of dollars because of one freak accident, because of one decision, whatever it is. So I'll always support them getting paid. I'd like to see them bring in Justin Ross because even though the quarterback play was borderline horrendous for Clemson this year. I still think he showed enough. I know he's got the neck injury. I know there's other medical concerns floating around, but why not take a shot on a different receiver type than you have, you know, for the most part. And as far as the rest of the undrafted class, like you, I'm not there watching Florida A&M or Middle Tennessee State or IU Pennsylvania or anyone else. But I thought an interesting note was DQ Thomas at the linebacker. They gave him 130, uh, 130 million, he wishes. They gave him $130,000 guaranteed, which is a significant amount, especially for a linebacker as an undrafted free agent. So maybe that's someone they liked. Not drafting the linebacker was a surprise to some. Maybe they liked DQ Thomas and had a, a draftable grade on him. Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under, thanks so much for coming on and helping me recap day number three of the 2022 NFL Draft. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out all the videos you've got up on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, of course, the Jets' first three picks in the draft, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, and Jermaine Johnson. You've got all 22 reviews of all three of them up right now. Plus, you're going to have reviews of the draft picks that the Jets got in day two and day three up there at some point as well. In the meantime, tell everybody what they can see on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. And of course, our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. As you said, Scott, the first day one picks, they're all up. Four videos in total on those three players. You can see that right now. As I mentioned, I've already cut the film of uh, of Max, the, uh, the tackle out of Louisiana. Got Max Mitchell stuff up. That's ready to go. I've got to turn that into a video tonight. Been cutting a little bit of Brees Hall. Jeremy Ruckett's on the way. I'll do a video uh, as well on on, uh, on Clemens, the defensive end. So they're all going to be coming in the next week. There'll be then there's some recaps looking at Zach Wilson's season, Michael Carter's season, Elijah Vera Tucker, and how some of these guys will project in, in year two and, and moving forward in the Michael Fleur offense. So it's going to be the place to be. Play like a jet on YouTube. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you check out the videos on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Visit our store over at tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and Play Like a Jet. Dot com.